Welcome to Grow Yourself to Grow Your Business, a podcast about growing your inner world so your outer world will reflect it. If you want to grow your business and learn how to make a profit in a heart-centered way, this is the show for you. Each week, you'll discover tips and inspiration for growing yourself, gaining wisdom, overcoming obstacles, and growing your business as a result. This is the podcast for holistic practitioners and coaches who want to make a difference in the world and be more profitable while helping more people. And now, here's your host, Liesl Teversham. Hello and welcome again. We're back today with another awesome guest who's going to share with us why it's important to grow yourself on the inside in order to grow your business. And I'm really excited to introduce you today to Rachel Alexandria. And I would love to share a little bit about her first before we dive into some really fascinating questions. She's a psychotherapist and difficult conversations expert and teaches corporate climbers and business owners how to get clear of their caretaking and conflict avoidance and start leading the brilliant lives they were meant to live. Rachel, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, she, uh, she's trusted by clients and fans as a therapist who walks her talk. And Rachel helps visionaries and peace seekers find their emotional center in the midst of inner turmoil. Through her proven methods, people learn how to recognize the warning signs of inner panic, create easy to remember strategies and declare themselves as powerful collaborators and leaders. I just love the sound of that. I can't wait to um, have this wonderful conversation. And Rachel's also the author of the best-selling book, Woman Overboard. Six Ways Women Avoid Conflict and One Way to Live Drama-Free. She's also the creator of the Self-Rescue System, trademarked, a simple, powerful strategy for how to resolve disagreements and difficult conversations without losing your ground or your cool. Rachel, welcome. It's so fantastic to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I can't wait to hear the road you took to be here, Rachel, because I know, you know, often um, we end up in a very different place than we thought we would when we were 18 years old or 15 years old and (laughs) had a view of where we were going to go, you know, married by 25 and have kids by 30 and then it's all a straightforward road. and, And most often it doesn't work out that way. So I'd love to invite you to share with us a little bit about the road you took, however windy it was. Um, mm. To get to this place where you wrote a bestseller book and <laughs> and work with people around conflict and, and management of that. So I can't wait to hear. <laughs> Thank you. It's you know, it's funny. I'm just I'm thinking as I'm sitting here that the piece I don't often mention is when people used to ask me when I was a kid, oh, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would say. I mean, I would say a variety of things. I want to be a singer. I want to be an actor. But those were not very well thought out plans because I didn't really devote much time to either of those pastimes. <laughs> but I would. But most frequently, I would say, I want to be a writer. Oh, and isn't that funny? And and then as I uh, got older, and I went and got an English degree, um, mostly because I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living by the time I was in college. I just knew I wanted to make enough money and have fun with my friends. That I really was not career ambitious at all. I had no dreams of being an entrepreneur. Um, and fast forward through um, 
I ended up getting a, a graduate degree in poetry mostly because I just felt dissatisfied once I got done with school. Like I sort of worked just a job job. I was a secretary and I felt sort of bored and ill at ease and unrested. And it's funny to me now that it never occurred to me to go to a career counselor or see a therapist. What I thought was, I don't seem happy with my life. Maybe I should go to graduate school. (laughs) That was my solution. I thought a lot about this. What I thought was, you know, I'll get to go to an entirely different state and meet a whole new bunch of people and kind of like start over like you used to when you were a kid and you'd go to summer camp. Like it's a chance to be a new version of yourself. So that's what I did. And then I was a secretary again because the economy was bad after that. And I was just sort of coasting until my um, my future husband said to me, what, you know, what are you doing with your life? Like you, you don't care about your job And I had been doing volunteer work to find meaning because I wasn't finding it in my job and I wasn't making good money. I mean, it was just, it was, it was very much like, um, coasting on and just in that sort of stagnant way. So I had to have another one of those moments that I did before I went to graduate school the first time. And I sort of just walked through my life and looked at one ads and nothing was really appealing to me. And I was sort of looking at spirit like, you're telling me it's not going to be that easy. Like, I'm going to have to really work and go through a big transition again. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I got honest with myself and I realized I'd always loved like helping people, like really talking with people about deep stuff. And that meant another graduate degree in psychotherapy. Um, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be for some reason at the time I thought, well, life coaching seems good, but it still is expensive and it still is a fair amount of time. And I really want to get into the deep stuff. And so (laughs) I went to graduate school again. Um, but I loved it. I absolutely love like it. So was my calling. Um, and the funny thing is, as I was going through that, like, you know, spirit really reached out to me and uh, kind of came knocking at my door. It was the time of my Saturn return for any of your listeners who follow astrology, like around 28, 29, when there's that revisitation of kind of our deep purpose. And so a lot more of my um, spiritual following and, uh, you know, woo-woo energy healer skill set and and purpose also came knocking around that time. And that took me a a good year to integrate because it kind of scared the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) After Um, this big training of of something completely more almost uh, academic. Uh huh. It was actually simultaneously, just because that's <laughs> apparently how I roll. <laughs> Nothing easy. So, you know, so I'm doing that, and then I finally get all that integrated, and I'm trying to figure out, well, who am you know? What am I offering as a therapist? Who am I speaking to? And there's a whole other story about how it's you know I have lots of big stories. Um, but I finally find you know I'm talking to good girls because. That's my big issue. You know, I'm the ways that I'm 
emotionally feeling responsible for other people and their emotions and the ways that I avoid conflict, even though I'm very outspoken and extroverted, there were still things I wasn't talking about. So I dove into that. And people all along had been saying to me for years, had been saying to me, like my dad said, you know, I have this sealed envelope from when you were a kid that says what you're going to do for a living. And it's that I'm going to be a teacher. And I'm like, well, that ship seems to have sailed because I'm a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Would say, oh, you know, you should write a book like you seem to know a lot of stuff or, you know, writing a book is the way to become an expert in your field. And I would go, I don't I I don't know what I would write about. And. You know, when I was a secretary, I tried to write a book, just a fiction book, and it's just not, doesn't seem to be what wants to happen through me. I mean, I'm a decent writer, but it's just not happening. And the funny thing is, like, when I was pursuing what I was passionate about and really diving into the my own research about why we avoid difficult conversations and how to heal that in myself, that's when the book was born. And it basically came and like sat on me and was like, you need to write this. This this is something that needs to happen. Hmm. That's so beautiful. And it brings home something I've often thought about is we don't always choose the work. It's like the work chooses us if we mm-hmm. if we listen <laughs> and and stop trying to control how we think that the journey should go. <laughs> <laughs> I had been trying to write a book, actually, the year before I wrote the one I actually wrote. And it was okay, but I just wasn't, I was like, yeah, I see how this could be useful for people. But it it just, I wasn't passionate about it. And maybe some people are good at deciding to do something because they think it's a good idea and just doing it. I'm I'm very bad at that, Mm. (laughs) especially when they're like longer term projects. I'm terrible at that. I... I I just clearly have to give over control to spirit because, you know, that's that's the way that things happen for me. Mm. And I always think what, you know, I've done that in my life before um, to push through, even though the little still quiet inner voice tells me this is not really the way you should be going. But feeling Mm. probably very much like a good girl, like saying, oof. You know, I said I would, so now I better push through. I made this decision, no turning back now. And it's so horrible to live like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm even worse at it than I used to be. And for that, I'm actually really grateful because mm-hmm. I, I just don't think anything, I don't think anything wonderful or magical comes from, from me putting my will in front of spirit or, you know, serendipity or however however you define that i define it as as spirit or uh, the greater flow of life Mm, beautiful and so that brings me to sort of a point about sometimes when we've already kind of said we would do something or you know made a goal and it may involve other people then if we realize something isn't right here for me or I need to change direction it doesn't feel right we need to have some of those difficult conversations and you mentioned just now you know why is it so uh, why do we so often want to avoid the difficult conversations and I know this is a big topic Rachel and I wonder if there's something sort of um, in a nutshell 
or in two nutshells that you'd like to share about this difficult conversations topic? What happens for us? Right. Oh, it, it is relatively simple. Like the problem actually is the problem and the solution can be stated in um, we avoid difficult conversations because a we don't know how to handle them. Like no one teaches that. Yeah. You know, our parents don't teach it. Our schools don't teach it. Our workplace doesn't teach it. You know, our, our media doesn't teach it. Um, they, they show very poor ways of handling it. And because we don't know how to handle them in a um, compassionate and powerful way, we get scared because we either are terrified that we're going to lose what we need. Like, you know, our, some people are terrified that they're going to get um, taken over or that, you know, they're never going to get their own way or, um, you know, something their their point of view is never going to get heard. And or we're also terrified of losing the relationship, of being a bad person, of, you know, hurting people, you know, which is what happens when you don't have a skill. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so somebody said to you, hey, would you carve this block of ice with this chainsaw? And you've literally never held a chainsaw before and maybe, you know, never experienced much about ice before, except for it hurting you by freezing you. Hmm. You would be scared. Probably, you know, and especially if somebody says, but don't destroy the ice because that's like the worst thing in the world. Mm. Well, well, yeah, you'd be like, I, I'm just going to walk away. I'm, I, what ice? I don't see any ice. What are we talking about? <laughs> you know, okay. oh, it looks like the chainsaw's out of gas. <laughs> like, we've come up with all kinds <laughs> of reasons to not do it because yeah. the stakes are high. Right. Um, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in a home where difficult conversations were avoided at all cost so mm. there was nobody who could teach us oh we three in the in the um yeah three children my sister was a rebel so she kind of taught herself and it just always led to big conflict between her and my dad um mm. i avoided it like the plague because i hate conflict so that brings me to my next point is about i know you teach about how to handle conflict um or Six ways that we avoid conflict as women and one way to live drama-free. So I wonder mm -hmm. if, if you want to share maybe a few of those ways that we manage to avoid the conflict, like you say, that avoid the chainsaw and the ice block. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, I, I want to let your listeners know that they can actually find all six ways by going to my website, into the shop. There's a flyer there of the six ways that I, that I give people for free. They just can download it for free. Um, the That's six awesome. ways are uh, passive aggressive, or passive aggression, I should say, uh, overwhelm, distraction, blame, shutdown, and self-flagellation. So uh, distraction is kind of like, oh, what? I don't know. Well, there's lots of things happening right now. I don't have time to deal with this. I have to, you know, clean the kitchen and wash the bathroom floor and we got to get the kids out the door. Like it, it's a way of um, always having too much going on to ever really focus on the emotional content. Hmm. And I think as a society, we do that one a lot. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Overwhelm tends to be an internal experience, and most people, when they read the the flyer or they read the book, they experience feeling connection with 
at least a few of these ways. Usually we don't just do one. Um, so overwhelm is uh, the internal experience of, of actually not knowing how to feel, of just like overanalyzing that sort of analysis paralysis. Um, well, maybe, maybe, is it unreasonable that I feel this way? I, I, maybe they didn't mean that. Maybe, maybe I'm taking it the wrong way. Maybe I misheard something. Maybe, maybe I did do something wrong and I really should be the one who's, you know, right. blah, 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 blah. And then I don't, I, how do I feel? Am I angry? Am I sad? But I, do I have a right to be angry? You know, it's that sort of right. rapid fire, um, mental flooding of, of information that keeps us from, accessing our feelings and being able to contemplate, you know, what is appropriate. Uh, the ones I did were most of all were self-flagellation and shut down self-flagellation being, in other words, beating oneself up, you know, Oh, I did that wrong again. They're mad at me. And maybe it's not, even if it's not my fault, like I, I still could have done this differently and I could have avoided the whole thing if I'd only blah, 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 you know, in order to self-flagellate, you definitely have to think other people's feelings are your responsibility. So it used to be, if someone's upset with me, it's my fault, no matter what, Right. you know, or if someone's upset at all, it's at least some large percentage, my fault. Wow, these these are amazing ways that I don't think we often probably uh, think about. We sort of, um, I don't think we've got it all that sort of clear in our heads what are the ways that we use to to avoid it. Um, <laughs> we just know what we successfully do, and this this one about self-flagellation just rings a very clear bell for me as well. How responsible I always used to feel when people are upset or something isn't going well in their life somehow <laughs> I was that powerful mm. that it was my fault uh, mm -hmm. so um, so we won't give the whole secret away about the one way to live drama free is mm. there a little uh, a little teaser or a little tip or something that you can give away for free and then what I'm going to do is put your book um, the link to it on Amazon on the show notes page so people have a direct uh, way to go click right there <laughs> and to your website as well sure I, and I'm I, I am happy to give as much away for free as possible because what I've found is um, first of all people find it helpful and second of all it, it isn't it isn't something that can just be you know, taken and like, oh, that solved my problem. <laughs> like it, right. it actually <laughs> takes practice. And um, I spend half the book on the solution. Uh, like okay. the second half of the book is all going through the solution. The, the nutshell of the solution is create a plan. Like go through and make a, like map out a detailed plan for addressing any kind of difficult conversation that's got your stomach in knots and your throat bound up. I mean, that's, that's really the big secret. Um, but, but have a plan is not the same thing as go over and over in your head, what you might say and what they might say. That's not a plan. <laughs> that's just brilliant. Obsessive <laughs> future projection. That's not the same thing. <laughs> right. So um, the self rescue system that I developed gives people a, like a four quadrant um, chart to fill out with 
pieces to examine about, you know, how do you know when you're getting triggered and, and looking into what is the trigger, like what's the nature of it and what's the, the fear underneath everything that's making it feel like such high emotional stakes. Because you ever notice that some people get upset about something and you're like, that wouldn't really bother me. Hmm. You know, like, uh, my, my, my mom's going to listen to this show later, so she's going to hear this, but <laughs> my mom, you know, one of her big triggers is when people are not grateful when she has done work for them, like, you know, cleaned up the house for visitors and made them a nice dinner. And she's an amazing chef. Amazing. But if they're not really happy with the meal, like, you know, say really thank you so much to her, she gets super upset. She gets really offended. And, you know, I mean, if I made food for somebody and granted, I am not a chef, that's not a big place of me deriving my value for me. Um, but, uh, well, let's just say something that I do derive a lot of value out of. Um, if I, if I have a client and they're not like super effusive in their thanks, that, that still doesn't, that's not a trigger point for me. Hmm. So that's, what's really useful. Whereas, um, for me, uh, one of my big ones has been like, people on Facebook, especially men, like arguing with me in a derisive way, like as if to suggest that I'm stupid. Mm. And, and for some people, they can just laugh that off. Like, <laughs> what's up with this weirdo? Like, why, you know, I mean, they might find it irksome, but it wouldn't be this huge, like debilitating issue. And for me, because of um, some of my earlier childhood experiences, not having to do with my mom, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, that that's really a huge trigger point. So mapping that out and seeing what the lie, the fear or the lie is underneath is it is a huge bit like that. That gives you so much leverage to get to the next parts of the system, which are about how to resource yourself physically and mentally and then how to plan for a successful intervention. I love that. So it's an empowering journey. And for us to be able to do that, we have to be really honest and look at our own triggers. Because like you say, not everybody has the same triggers. And if we don't, if we're not aware of ours, we cannot take the next steps. Mm -hmm. mm. Lovely. So the, the book, the, the link to the book will be on the show notes page. Um, so this is a very, very important topic, I think, especially for women, Rachel. And, you know, sort of going back to our overarching topic of grow yourself to grow your business, have you found either in your own life or in clients' life that not being able to face conflict and deal with it directly using all these sort of avoidance strategies can impact on our business and career? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Um, I see the advancement in my clients all the time, which is so exciting because, you, you know, I, I don't know if you have this experience of like when you do the work for you, you're like, wow, that totally worked for me. Like I really came through something. Um, but not knowing if, if your clients are going to be able to execute the same level of uh, results, mm. um, which to me is super important. That's why I do what I do is to really help people, you know, make these big leaps. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've seen, you know, clients when they have more capacity for um, speaking up for themselves, like 
get promoted at work. Um, I a lot of times the successes my clients have begin with family because they have to really be able to to bring it home and stand up for themselves with overbearing parents and that kind of thing in order to feel internally secure enough to to be more um, self-actualized in their jobs, in their in their own businesses. Um, and I know for me, you know, doing this work enabled me to really step up in a big way um, in a, a, a like an organization of entrepreneurs that I'm a part of. Like I advocated for the need for a leadership position and I said, you know, and I think I should do that job. Whereas before I would have been scared to like I used to be the kid who was like, I want to read aloud in class, but I'm scared to say that I want to because somehow that makes me, you know, greedy, bossy, selfish, whatever, you know, I want the teacher to pick me. I don't want to have to say I want it. And, you know, now I'm totally like, hey, you know, I see that we need this. I think it'll really help. I'm not attached, but I think I'd do that job really well if you guys want me to. And they all went, oh, thank God. Yes, please do that job. And that's, you know, that's led to other opportunities for me that have brought in more money and more, um, you know, awareness of what I do. And and I don't want to say fame, but like more visibility. That's the word Mm, I'm looking for. Yeah. And I think we so often put ourselves in in a little hole, you know, standing in the corner because we're afraid of that visibility and you know what that might bring and so this whole sort of journey with um, being okay with conflict and and knowing how to speak up for ourselves and knowing how to communicate I think it's just so powerful and like you say not taught at a young age mm-hmm. I wonder if you can, I can touch on something to do with anger um, Rachel that so often the well, my reason always for avoiding conflict is I'm really scared when somebody in my in my area, you know, like right here in my face or just even in the same room as me, that right. feeling that I get of somebody is angry and it feels very scary to me. But mm-hmm. I think it sounds like you have a different take around anger. So can you share with us maybe why anger is important to pay attention to? Right. You know, well, I'll confess that I feel the same way. And and I think a lot of people do unless they grew up in a family where everybody yells, which I did not. Mm. Um, That I I don't like when people are getting (laughs) angry or shoutier in my face. And, you know, I have I have a plan around that, which is, you know, around self-protection and stepping away. And I have strategies around how to either calm a person down or how to get myself to a place where I feel safe because... That's not okay. Hmm. So here's something that that when I read it, it totally blew my mind. I read this in a book called How to Be an Adult, which is such wow. a funny title to me. <laughs> I know. It's a it was a book recommended by my husband's uh, therapist for him, and he got us both copies. And it was really fascinating. It's a very short book, and it's super dense. Like I don't think I still have finished it because it's just so. One of those you like read it and you go, you read a couple sentences and just kind of sit there for a while like, what? <laughs> but in this book, he says, most people are not afraid of anger. In fact, none of us are afraid of anger. We're afraid of drama. Hmm. And anger and drama are not the same thing. Wow. 
So the healthy expression of anger is to say, maybe with some heat, maybe not, I'm really angry, you know, yeah. is to is to communicate for the feeling. An unhealthy expression of anger is the the yelling, the throwing things, the stuff we see on, you know, American reality television. That's drama. And there's a reason why people who are expressing drama never seem to stop being angry. Because true expression of healthy anger is to sort of pour out the candle with the flame on it. Like it has a it has a flashpoint, but it's not a long burning fire. Mm. And that was so helpful for me to to really get that. To to I I had to read it over and over and be like, "What?" But yeah, I I can I can totally be with my anger. And I think it's important to like, I totally have that warrior, like fierce part of me. I can see her in my mind's eye. I've really built a good relationship with her. And when things are not okay, like she is ruthless. She's like, that is not okay. You know, and I will walk away from that relationship before I would let that kind of um, abuse happen. And that's not, that's not what has to happen right now. But, um, but I need to know my boundaries with real confidence it doesn't mean I need to scream at people. You have to do this or else you're not respecting me. That's drama. Wow. What a difference. It's, it's a, it's a very powerful difference to, to really feel into that. There is a massive difference between somebody saying I'm really angry, or you can say I'm really angry and not having this big, you know, throwing up the arms and yeah, that's what a difference. Mm -hmm. So I, I absolutely know that so many women, especially good girls, my clients, people who resonate with the work I do, they're afraid of their own anger because we as women have been societally shamed for being angry. You know, everyone's like, oh, an angry woman, you know, she's undateable. She's out of control. She's hysterical. I mean, let, let's, there's a whole thing that the patriarchy has done about women and their emotions and how how they're negatively um, portrayed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that there's such an important, like crucial uh, relationship for us with our anger, for any person, not just women. We have to know when our anger is speaking because it is speaking in the defense of something sacred. Hmm. That doesn't mean every time we, you know, we get pissed, oh, so nobody should cut me off in traffic. Well, no, that's actually not the issue. What your anger is saying is, I want to make sure that we're safe. I want to make sure that I'm seen. I want us all to get where we're going alive. Hmm. You know, your anger is speaking up in defense of your boundaries. The things it says are not always rational, but the but the emotion, you know, like just like when we're super sad, we think maybe things might never get better. It's not that the emotion contains rational logic. It just contains information about what's happening for you. So the anger contains information about something is not okay. Yeah. And then, and I, need, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. We, we need that. I get very passionate about this. <laughs> we need anger because it's, it's directly connected to our passion and to our, our ability to set healthy boundaries. 
Yeah, I was just exactly going to say anger can help us to step into action where things aren't okay. Mm -hmm. You have to have the anger. Like when people are depressed, it's about repressed anger. And one of the things I'll say early on is where is your anger? If I'm dealing with clients who have a lot of depression, I'm like where, where's the anger? Like what, you know, it's going internally and it's blaming you mm. and that's not realistic. Oh my word, this conversation, I can hear that we are able to talk for another two <laughs> hours about this and our time is almost at an end. So I want to ask Rachel, if you can share with us your website so that those of us who resonate or who would like to find out more about that, uh, the, you, you mentioned it, was it, did you say a pamphlet with all the six? Yeah, um, the chart of the six ways. Yeah. Yes. So the website is healingforgoodgirls.com. And if they go to the shop, that'll have links to the book. That'll have the link to download the Six Ways flyer. Um, you still go through it like it's a shopping cart, but the value of the flyer is listed as $0. So you can just purchase it for $0 and, and get it downloaded. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So healing for good goals dot com um, folks and everything will also be on the show notes page so Rachel are there any lost thoughts that you'd like to share with us like a bit of inspiration or a quote or something that we haven't maybe already covered some lost little thing oh man <laughs> there's so many so many things you know I guess I would just want your listeners to know that how they feel is valid. Mm. Like feelings aren't facts, but they are valid information. And no one else has to agree with it or, um, you know, feel the same way in order for that feeling to still be valid. Mm. That is very empowering. Because when we have the self-flagellation sort of tendency, we'll go and invalidate our own feelings as well. Mm -hmm. So this is a beautiful, beautiful reminder that our feelings are valid. doesn't matter who thinks what about that. Our feelings are real to us and valid. Mm. Mm. I love that. Rachel, it's been such a wonderful, inspiring conversation thank you for sharing so much information with us that's empowering and especially for women I think such a, a really important topic to know how to deal with our conflict and difficult conversations so folks again um, Rachel's website healingforgoodgoals.com thank you Rachel for for um, carving this time out of your busy diary it was wonderful to be able to speak with you I so enjoyed the conversation. I'm so glad to have been here. Thank you. And um, for everybody, remember to shine your light brightly as you grow your inner world so that your business or your career or your, your family relationships can also grow at the same time. And if you want to um, listen to more interviews of a similar nature, go to SavvySelfGrowth.com 
and we'll be back with more next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you were inspired by this show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. For tips on reaching your goals as a practitioner, visit www.savvyselfgrowth.com to receive the Savvy Goal Achievers Inside Secrets to reach your dreams. Each week, we will bring you tips and wisdom from experts who walk their talk and make an inspiring difference in the world. Shine your light brightly as you grow yourself to grow your business.